Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, and normally I come to you with a younger partner to talk to him about something. And today I'm coming to you with a young lady named Alicia. Did I pronounce your name right? You did. Normally I just call her E because I'm an old guy and somehow I mess up the pronunciation every once in a while and the spelling. So the E reminds me how to spell it. And you are somebody who's rather a smart young lady. You've been through Nicolay Bible Institute. How old are you? I am 21. 21 years old. I'm 64. And to be consistent with our program, we're just really encouraging older people to have dialogues with younger people and enjoy uh, their perspective and enjoy getting to know them and their world in which they live in. Because, you know, Alicia, your world is different than mine. Even though we're in the same world, I see it differently. And you see it differently. First of all, I'm from northern Wisconsin. Where are you from? I'm from Indiana. And tell us a little bit about your family. Um, I am one of three girls in the family. Or sorry, one of four. I have three sisters, but I'm actually a quadruplet, which makes things a little different. Yes, it does. Yes. So growing up as a quadruplet, it, it, it was that challenging? Um, it was my normal, I'm sure. <laughs> Very challenging for my parents, for sure. Um, but I loved it. Always had playmates. We got along really well, caused a lot of trouble together. I bet you did. <laughs> so you said something very interesting there. That was my normal. So this was not unusual to you to be, have, be a quad. Right. And actually seemed strange to me when I first found out other families had siblings that were different ages. I thought that was very strange as oh. a little four-year-old finding that out. Yeah. So how do, yeah, that that would be very interesting. Now those who are listening are thinking, no, 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 no. You're the one who's different. We're not the ones that are different, but that's so um, telling. And I think when when we talk to people, we need to understand everybody has a perspective, and their perspective isn't necessarily wrong or right. Many times, it's just theirs. You know, I grew up thinking that every mom and dad were committed to each other, never divorced loved each other, served God. You know, I mean, th that's what I thought. And when I found people that, like, were angry with each other and, and divorced and didn't serve God, I'm thinking, how do you do that? That's not what you do. And so I think many times our, our normal is out there, and we have to investigate uh, outside of our normal to have a perspective. You love reading books. I do. One Can of you, my big passions. So why do you read? I think... The thing that really draws me to reading is getting other people's perspectives and broadening um, broadening my horizons and my understanding in my small little world in Indiana um, and stepping beyond that. There's a big world out there and many different people, and I love experiencing and learning what other people have experienced. So your generation is, is inundated with electronics. Yes. Especially during the coronavirus thing, everyone in Coronaville is, is online doing something, Zoom meetings, whatever whatever it might be. Uh, do you read online or do you read paper? Um, I've done some audiobooks and ebooks, but I still love a good old-fashioned book the best. Okay, and why is that? There's just something to me about holding a book, smelling a book, and I also think just how I learn visually seeing it on a page rather than a screen that just helps me remember better than if I was listening or 
on an electronic device. So how much do you read? How, how much is it, is it something, a lot of people listening are probably thinking, I read when I have to. <laughs> you don't read when you have to, you read because you love to read. Yes. Um, if a day goes by without reading at all, that would be a very sad day. I'm usually busy, so I find time to fit it into my schedule, whether that's at lunch or I've got 20 minutes here, let's continue on with what I'm reading. Um, but I try to fit that in my day. Okay, so you have books, when you read them, you, you feel compelled to keep reading them? Yes. Okay, explain that. Why? So there's something very unsatisfying to me about starting something and not carrying it out to its conclusion because the beginning may not be interested, but once I've picked up a book and have started reading it, I like to see where the author is going with it because there's been many times where the beginning has been boring or I've trudged through it, but maybe right three-fourths of the way through there's been some interesting thing that I would have not learned or discovered if I had stopped. Okay. You know what? I, I so enjoy you, your perspective. You're, you're a quad. You're from Indiana. <laughs> I'm a, I am not a quad. I'm from originally Chicago. I live in northern Wisconsin. You love to read. Honestly, I do not. However, you know that I read all the time. Yes. So it's funny because I'm talking to you and you're, you have this delight in reading. And I'm thinking, I wish I had that. I don't have that. What I have is an like, I want knowledge, and I have to read to get it. So that's why I read. But to read for fun? I don't know. Uh, Alicia, help me. I, I don't know that I've ever done that. I don't know that I read for fun. I, I don't know that I ever have. It's like I want the information. So I'll read the Bible. I'll read philosophy books. I'll read psychology books. I'll read, I'll read uh, news articles. I'll read scientific studies. And I read all the time. And, and certainly, I, I learn all the time. And it might stem from my education. I grew up in an a urban school system, Chicago public school system, and I really didn't read a book till I went to college. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, we just, you didn't do it. And I was always out as a boy playing. I was always out playing hockey, playing, doing something. So that, you know, the book thing reminded me of some smart person. And I thought, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to go play and not, <laughs> not do that. Now, today, it's funny because I went into teaching, and I read all the time, but I still am wondering, will I ever get to the point where I read something because I really enjoyed it, rather than read it because I need to read it? And that is why I don't read books on, in paper, because if I'm reading something, I can highlight it on a Kindle app or something, it saves it for me, I can print it out later and I can use it, because I'm trying to do it for information. And if I do it on paper, I highlight it, it's like, oh, it's so much work to go back and get that stuff out uh, later. So help me, what, what is the secret to enjoying reading? Do you know, I mean, to just enjoying it rather than doing it like I do, because we have two different approaches. I mean, you would read for information, I'm sure. But you read because I see the delight in you. You, you glow when you read, you know, you love doing it. I read because I must. So I'm wondering, what advice can you give me? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, as a kid, I've always loved reading. I, Since I started to be able to read, I just enjoyed it instantly. So perhaps some of that's part of my personality. Um, but 
I think reading for fun versus reading for knowledge. Um, because like you mentioned, I enjoy all types of books, whether that is philosophy or, you know, some scientific journal. I enjoy that as well. But I also enjoy fiction, which I know you're not <laughs> the biggest fan of. Well, I, I'm not against it. I, yeah. I, you know, I just look at it and go, why? Mm -hmm. um, but I love diving into a different world and just getting immersed in it, um, whether that's for 20 minutes or an hour, whatever time I have, I just get transported into a different place <laughs> to the great frustration of my parents as they yell my name 20 times and yep. I'm sitting right next to them, not hearing them at all. Um, but I think it's a fun way for me to be creative and imaginative. I love um, getting into a book and imagining what the characters look like, how they sound, what their environment is. Um, because normally I'm not a creative person. I am not artsy at all. Um, and so that's a way that creativity can take form in my mind. And I think it's a good thing. That's why I'm not the biggest fan of movies. On the other hand, I enjoy them. But it takes away the fun of seeing what your own brain can come up with and explore, I think. So that's a big reason why I enjoy fiction. You know, as you talk, I thought, okay, you think you're not creative or whatever, but you, you must be because as you imagine things, you can imagine everything. Do you imagine them very vividly? And, and, and so you're reading a story. What is it? Give me some of your favorite books. Do you have favorites? Is that legal? <laughs> favorites. That is a hard topic. I could favorite, list uh, many. Favorite type of book. Favorite type of book. Um, I love, uh, again, that, as we mentioned, I love reading to explore different people's worldviews. And so I think my favorite types of books are ones, whether that's a biography or a fiction, one, fiction book, but one that allows you to step into a character's world. So that does depend on the author. Some are not very descriptive and they just tell the story, but some um, tell you just enough where you can imagine what it would be like to be in their place. Right. And so I enjoy historical fiction a lot for that reason, especially because historical fictions are things that did take place in a certain setting and place and time. And I like to imagine how I would respond to those situations. Even though the character is fictional, the situation is real. And so it's kind of fun to play around. Okay, do that. they ever take characters and, and kind of mix? Like what I like to do is... Like, I would read a book on Abraham Lincoln in a minute. Mm -hmm. But they don't know everything that went on, so they're making half of it up. What do you call that book? Because half of it's made up and half of it's history. Do you know? Is that got a title know. to it? I don't think it has a certain title to it, no. But, but is that how they do it? I mean, if you're writing about somebody in their daily life, you're telling them, you know, Abraham mm -hmm. Lincoln did this. And, like, so, so you get all these facts that are right about it, but then you got to fill in all the blanks. And so you just make them up, you know. <laughs> and I think I like that kind of book, actually. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'll read that in a second. But once again, I'm reading it because I want to learn about Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not reading it so I can enjoy his life story. I'm reading it because I want to learn a lesson uh, from reading it. But I do love those kind of books. I mean, I will read a book in a minute. Uh, you've been in my class. I've, I've had people read books on, that people, they're fiction about business characters and, and other things that where you're learning lessons from them. But basically, those are stories. Mm -hmm. But again, there's a, a lesson to be learned. That's why I read it. So I like them. But I wonder, 
Uh, you know, if you were to present a book to me right now on a, a person, historical, whoever it might be, and, and said this is about their life and how, how they went from here to here, I'd be very interested in it but so, that from what, so I can learn something from it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be interested just in the storyline, but I like a good storyline. I mean, in the middle of it, I like it to take me you know, and go mm -hmm. somewhere with it. So I, I'm not sure what I like, you know, what I don't like. Um, I wouldn't re like. I would never read a romance book. You know, what I mean, eh, <laughs> yeah, you know, make my hair stand up on end. But, but I would read. You know, I've read several uh, uh, books about uh, war characters, or, or uh, you know, uh, presidents, or sports figures, uh, and just trying to understand uh, their lives. But I know the people that wrote the book had to make half of it up. I mean, you know that reading it because there's not that many details that anyone could have on anyone's life. Uh, unless you were that person, you know, yourself. So uh, you don't know what the category is if it's like half made up, though. There's not a half made up category? Um, Do they call it sort of fiction? Sort of fiction. Um, I've seen things called like based on a true story. So they have a lot more creative license because they're telling you that, hey, this is a real person, but I'm going to make up kind of their thoughts or something like that. Yeah. I would but, think that almost all books have to have a certain degree of that if you're telling about somebody's life, unless you have quotes <laughs> and journal entries or, you know, something. Um, especially I like reading about um, old Christian characters uh, like Dale Moody, you know, or people that, that did, and their stories are fascinating, but there's no way people can know all that you know, about them. And so uh, it, it does open up a new world for you. Uh, if you read, it opens up a world that's very, very interesting and challenging if you want to be challenged by it. So do you ever have your thoughts, your, your lifestyle challenged by what you read? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, that's one of the things I enjoy about reading. I like to challenge uh, my way of thinking and it makes you reevaluate um, your own beliefs and opinions. Um, I don't know if I could point to a specific book, but I enjoy reading something from whether that's an atheist perspective and their thoughts on the church and about God. And it really gives me a, like a bird's eye view of how an outsider would think, because I know I get caught in my Christian circle and it's very hard to relate to those who are not in that circle. And right. so I love, you know, listening to or reading things from different people. Who yeah. would disagree with me? You know, I think if you're committed to the truth and you actually know what the Bible says, you, you don't have to fear reading anything. You just need to be committed to the truth mm -hmm. and say, okay, there, there's a standard here somewhere that I need to apply. So um, no matter what I do in life, and I've said it so often, I, I like starting with there's a God and I'm not him. You know, I mean, that's where I got to start and then go from there, wh whatever that might be. He created me, he loves me. I mean, so I need to know that. Now I'll read the book. And the people that don't know him are going to act like they don't know him. And what I want to do is see why they don't want to know him. And I mean, it'd be kind of like if, if you were reading books from people who denied that Dave Wager existed. You know, now, you know I exist. So you might find it fascinating to read a book if someone was trying to prove that I didn't. You know, so that's the kind of thing that I hear you saying, which is very interesting <laughs> in, in many respects. Uh, now, do you ever see, talk to somebody in their situation and, and all of a sudden they tell you um, it's something where you say, oh, you need to read this book? Oh, yes. 
Oh, definitely. Um, one book that I've been trying to get one of my friends to read, we'll see, maybe I'll even uh, buy it for him since he seems reluctant to, but it's called The Delusion of Passion, Author Escapes Me. Okay. Um, but I was reading that at the beginning of the year, just first of all, the title intrigued me because that seems so anti-cultural. Um, we're all about passion and finding your passion and doing that. Um, and so I picked it up thinking, okay, what's, what does this guy have to say about it? He had some very good things, but the main point, I think, at least my takeaway, um, not that passion is wrong, but we have the idea that if you are working in your passion and your gifts and talents, that every moment of your job, every moment of your day is going to be fun um, and easy. And he was pushing back against that idea, as we see in the culture, so many people um, just giving up when something gets hard because they must not be living their passion. And so he was pushing against that idea. And I thought that book definitely helped me think about the direction I want to take with my life. And he walked you through um, steps to take as you you have this idea or this passion that you want to live. And so he walked you through different ways how you can set goals, but also persevering when things get hard because that's not when you stop that's when you keep going um and so we'll see if i convince my friend to read this book All but right, the delusion good. of passion very good book i would recommend that to anyone definitely okay. so when you see people they're talking to you regardless your your brain goes to boy this would be a good book for them oh yes all the time i try not to uh, say that too often unless i think the person would be interested because i don't want to be annoying but yes definitely you know what though i would encourage you because when you know something when you really know something um you need to be able to use what you know. And you can figure out a way to do that in an acceptable manner. You, you really do know books. So it's really good for you to tell people, here's a good book. I, I think this would benefit you. I think you would like mm -hmm. this book. I think this would challenge you. Because guys like me, again, if you, if you tell me you, this book has a lot in it that will help you teach better, do whatever, I'll go, okay, I'll read that. But if you give it to me and say, my brother used to try and pawn off uh, Louis L'Amour books to me, <laughs> which are, what, cowboy fiction uh -huh. or something. I, I wouldn't read one. Uh, he would give me, you know, they'd be stacked at my house eventually because he's trying to get me, oh, I really like these. You should read them. And I, I do like Westerns. I mean, I like cowboy stuff. And I'll read books on White Earp. I want to learn how they thought and all that kind of stuff. But... You know, it, as far as just for the fun of it, I, I didn't read any of them. So he just gets frustrated with that. It's like, I just gave it to you because I don't want to read it. You know, it's just all made up stuff that, you know, now maybe there's lessons in there I need to go back and, and look, but I have my favorite authors. Do you have a favorite author? Ooh. With all you read, probably not. No, that's a broad uh, array of authors that I've read for sure. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I had a favorite. Yeah. Again, with my style, I have a favorite because I like guys who can take, or, or ladies, who can take really profound thoughts and make them simple. So like D. Raymond Edmond is one of my favorite authors because I think he takes extremely difficult thought process and simplifies it and says, this is just the way it is. Uh, in fact, on the desk, and, and for one of the other podcasts, that I have a Just Why book that he wrote. And I use that. I just read it and talk about it on the air, you know, because it's it's like this guy can take something that is so difficult to understand 
and boil it down to a very simplistic truth. Now his books, I mean, he's been dead for a long time and his books aren't printed anymore. And uh, some of his books are ridiculous prices uh, because you find a hardback of his on, online and you know, it's like 80 bucks or something to get it. You're not gonna find any online versions. So I was fortunate, my father-in-law, he used to be the president of Wheaton College, V. Raymond Edmund, and my father-in-law graduated from Wheaton. And as we were moving him, as he got older, he moved from a house to a smaller residence to a smaller. And each time we, we, we had to go through his things and help him uh, pare down a little bit. And anytime I saw he had a V. Raymond Edmund book on the shelf, I took it. And he, with his blessing, I mean, he said, yeah, just take it. So this one I have here, this Just Why book, actually has V. Raymond Edmund's signature in it. Uh, so I didn't notice that till I was reading. I go, oh, he actually got him to sign it, you know. And and of course, um, I I don't I'm certainly don't worship people. I just think, well, that's pretty cool. I have an old book, hardcover that's got his signature in it, and I love this author because of that. There are a few others like that where you look at it and go, man, this this person, I would read everything that they put out. But it seems I might have a problem, Alicia. It seems like all the ones I really like have been dead for a long time. <laughs> So I, I, I struggle a little bit with modern authors, but the old authors, you read them and you go, oh man, they actually said something here. And they said it in a dynamic, wonderful way. Um, do you find that or are there modern authors that are really doing a good job mm-hmm. as far as you're concerned? Um, one guy that popped into my mind, uh, his last name's Mayberry, first name escapes me, but he's written a series about politics and understanding economics, which I did for school. I went through that series, but he takes these very profound ideas and then, like you were saying, makes them easy to understand. Um, and his one of them, the first in the series, I think is called Whatever Happened to Penny Candy? And he starts off there and then there's like a series of five, I believe. But I just appreciated how easy he made it to understand, not that he dumped it down at all. Um, but just the illustration she used, um, I would highly recommend any of his books to people who are interested in that, definitely. You know, and, and again, that's the kind of, you know what you should do, and, and again, I'm an old guy, so what do I know? But uh, you should have a website somewhere where you just list books, <laughs> and you say, you know, here's a book I recommend, here's why, and, and just leave it there. And, and then people who are not as avid readers as you, can go to it and say, you know, you've already checked a bunch of things out. I'm not interested in that, 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 but what you just said there, maybe I'll go check that person mm-hmm. out. Like, as you and I were talking, there's some people that might say, theologically, V. Raymond Edmund, I'm really interested in that kind of thing. I'll go find him and go see if I can find any books at garage sales or whatever. Uh, by the way, you can always send them to me if you find them. I'll give them to people because <laughs> that's what I do now if I find books because I have most of his. And uh, if I get a spare, I'll just give them away to somebody. Um, or, or you just gave a name. And what was that name again? Um, his last name is Mayberry. First Mayberry. name escapes me, but okay. you can find him by looking up the title, Whatever Happened to Penny Candy. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden, like, okay, people are listening right now. They're saying, you know, I haven't read in a long time. So maybe I should get back into it. And, and I really would suggest that because I think that right now we are being robbed of uh, intellectual ability because of the fact that we're being shown everything on television and media rather than being able to think it through and have an imagination at all. And I think thinking it through is, is vital and you, you're able to, to do that. So uh, anyone listening, if you're, if you're wondering, you know, boy, I, I haven't done that 
I should. Here, here's a challenge years ago I heard, and I, I think I told you about this, but I was listening to a speaker who I very much respected, and as I listened to the speaker, um, I, I kept thinking, boy, where's this guy get his information from? How do you get that much information? And I mean, it, it's like anything he said was this deep, got it from somewhere, I thought about this, and I'm thinking, man, that's what I want to do someday. I want to be able to have that kind of information in my head. And at the end of speaking, he said, here's, here's what he does personally. He never goes to sleep any day until he reads 100 pages of a book, something, 100 pages every day. And I, he was an old guy, and he said, and for the last, I think, whatever years it was, I can't remember, 40 years, I haven't broken that commitment. And I thought, that's why he knows a lot. I mean, every day, that's a goal. What I think people should do reading-wise is set a goal. Because if you don't set a goal, if you're not a reader, if you're not a reader, if you're just waiting for it to happen, it's not going to happen. So you need to set a goal. And I don't care what the goal is. One book a month, one book a week. Now, some people, oh, what if it's a thick book? <laughs> All right, do pages then. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think you should set a goal. I think you should set a goal for reading the Bible. Now, do, do you still read the Bible? I do. So these books don't replace the Bible. Correct. And, and do you have goals for reading the Bible? Um, right now I'm trying to work through a reading plan, um, walking, what's it called, where you start for how it was written. So Yeah, uh, chronological. Chronological, that word escaped me. Yep, I'm doing a chronological reading plan. Okay, good for you. So you'll finish it in a year on a chronological, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, as you know, I'll, I'll encourage everyone I know to read the Bible through every year. Um, if, as a teacher, the last I, time I checked, if you were to read the Bible aloud, just out loud, and you read it at a fifth grade level, you would only have to read 15 minutes a day to get through it every day. You know, you'd have to read 365 days. And, and if you did that, you'd get through it in a year. So we're not asking people to spend a tremendous amount of effort uh, to try and do this, but you really should read the Bible through. And then the other books you read can be put into the context of the Bible and what truth is, because God's going to say something. And if you're uh, not liking uh, the style of the Bible, maybe you've got the wrong version, because style is, is not something that should stop you, or words shouldn't stop you. I, as I work with children, and you know this, Alicia Camp here, we work with all kinds of ages, I always tell kids, you know, third grade, fifth grade, you can read the Bible, you don't have to be afraid of it. And if you read the Bible, you need to get a version that is understandable to you because the best version is the one you're going to actually read. So you need to find one that is accurate but makes sense to you. And I think that's important for everybody. We're going to continue our discussion in the next uh, episode here because I'm fascinated by Alicia, her love for books, her love for the Lord, her intellectual ability from doing that. And I want to encourage all the young listeners to be young people who actually pick up books, read them, let that expand your world. And if you're not doing it, you need to talk to somebody who loves books. Don't talk to somebody who doesn't love books and get affirmation for that. Talk to somebody who loves books and ask them, what do you love about reading? Why are you reading? What books would you recommend for me? Because reading will enhance your life, so you need to get to it. And I'm Dave with Alicia, 
And we're at the program called Younger Older here in the studios of Relate365.com.